Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you very much, moderator, and a very good morning to everybody, and welcome to IPC's year-end results and operations update presentation. Uh, my name is Mike Nicholson. I'm the, the CEO. I'm also joined this morning by Christoph Nergararian, the CFO, and Rebecca Gordon, who's our VP of Investor Relations and Corporate Planning. I'll begin in the usual fashion by giving a, a walkthrough in the highlights of the fourth quarter and full year performance. I'll then pass across to Christoph, who will walk through the, the financial numbers for Q4 and for the full year. And then at the end of both of our presentations, we'll of course have the opportunity to, to have a Q&A session. And you can send your questions in via the, the web link or those participants joining in the conference call um, can also take questions. It will be a relatively short presentation this morning, really just focused on the backward-looking 2020 results. So if I can ask, we've got a, a long presentation this afternoon that's covering our, our Capital Markets Day forecasts and our 2021 and beyond long-term forecasts. So if any questions this morning can be um, reserved to the 2021 numbers, and you'll have the opportunity um, to talk about the capital markets day forecasts this afternoon. So turning now to the 2020 highlights, and start, starting with production, our fourth quarter average net production was actually just under 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, and that was you know, an improvement slightly ahead of what we were expecting. We're about 7% up on our third quarter numbers, and I'll come back to that, but we saw continued good recovery on some of the Canadian oil production that we'd shut in predominantly at Onion Lake Thermal and at Suffield. That gave us a, a full year average production in excess of 42,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, and that was in line with the latest guidance that we gave in our third quarter presentation. Continued very good delivery on the on the low cost reset that we had on our operating costs for the full year and for our fourth quarter results. Our average operating costs were just marginally under twelve dollars per BOE, and that was that was also in line with the latest guidance that we gave uh, during our third quarter presentation. I think one of the the most impressive things that we were able to do through 2020 when we were hit with the COVID crisis and the collapse in oil demand and profound price weakness at the end of the first quarter, we moved extremely quickly to completely reset our uh, capital expenditure and growth plans for the full year. Originally, we'd expected to invest in excess of $160 million, and we moved swiftly to, to cut that by more than 50% relative to that capital markets day guidance. And our full year outturn was was just over $80 million, and that really set us on a good stead um, to, to, to start to maximize our ability to generate free cash flow in what was a pretty challenging year. And if you look at the, the cash flow numbers, our full year operating cash flow 
um, was just under $120 million. And as a result of those business reset decisions that we took, curtailing production, cutting CapEx, cutting OpEx, and then progressively layering hedges and ramping production back up as all prices recovered meant that for the full year we were actually able to generate a positive free cash flow of just below $9 million, $10 million, sorry. Our fourth quarter cash flow was reflecting the recovery in both our oil production and also in oil prices, and we were able to generate $46 million of operating cash flow, an impressive free cash flow generation of $29 million. And you'll hear this afternoon um, that's expected to, to continue into 2021 and the years ahead. Strong position on the liquidity front, net debt stood at just over $320 million, and we've still got significant liquidity headroom under our existing banking facilities. 2P reserves at the year end stood at just over 270 million barrels, and we still, one of the, one of the key features of IPC's reserve base is a very long life, low decline, highly developed reserve base. So 18 years of, of reserve life and, and a significant in excess of 1.1 billion barrels of contingent resources. On the ESG side, very pleased that we had no incidents, particularly given the pandemic situation that we faced during 2020. We put in very stringent operating protocols. Um, our teams adapted their working practices to, to, to deal with the, the restrictions that we faced. And we didn't have at any of our operating sites any um, shutdowns or curtailments. And uh, we didn't have any serious incidents through the full year. I think that was a huge credit to all of our operating teams on the ground. As part of our continued ESG journey, we issued our first sustainability report during the third quarter, and we reinforced our commitment to our emissions reduction strategy, which is set to see our net carbon intensity reduce by 50% over a five-year period to 20 kilograms per BOE. And I'm pleased to report that we were able to offset um, 50,000 tonnes of CO2 uh, through the course of 2020, in addition to the operational efficiencies that we've invested in in our producing assets. Turning now a little bit more detail on the production side, as I mentioned, our, our fourth quarter production numbers of just under 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent um, have been running slightly above forecast. Uh, you can see if you look at the chart on, on the right-hand side of the page where we took action in, in late March to start curtailing um, our Canadian oil production in response to, to low prices and price levels dropping below break-even. But as the, as the situation started to improve through May and June, we layered in some hedges and we took the decision uh, to ramp that production back up to pre-curtailment levels. And I think when you look at the far right-hand side of the chart, you can see that our exit rate was averaging around 44 to 45 thousand barrels of oil equivalent per day. So really good performance at Suffield and Onion Lake Thermal and much faster ramp up than we'd anticipated. Steady performance at our Suffield um, gas asset. And on the international side, we had phenomenal continued high uptime performance on our Bertam FPSO on average 100%, just below 100% for the full year and a steady performance across all of our assets in France contributing 
um, to that recovery in production through the second half. And this next slide just shows how our guidance has changed through what was quite a, a turbulent year. When, when prices collapsed in the first quarter, we, we gave our market guidance of 30 to 37,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. And at the bottom end of that range, we were looking at shutting in all of our Canadian oil production with anticipation of weak prices running through the remainder of the year. And at the high end of the guidance of 37, we'd been assuming that the 50% curtailment that we put in place would continue for the rest of the year. But thankfully, prices did improve. That gave us the confidence to start to ramp production up from the second quarter. We did put in place a number of hedges to support the restart of Onion Lake Thermal and Suffield. And we re-guided the market in our second quarter presentation that we expected to produce somewhere between 37 to 40 thousand barrels of oil equivalent per day. During the third quarter, as a result of faster than anticipated ramp up at those two core projects, we increased our guidance further to in excess of 41,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. And as I mentioned, the higher than expected forecast production in Q4 of just under 45,000 meant that our actual full year production was uh, just above 42,000 barrels of oil equivalent Per day. So obviously quite a turbulent year, but I think our teams did a, a phenomenal job in first optimising the production through the low oil pricing uh, environment and also bringing it back up um, when conditions improved. This next, this next slide just shows how that feeds through into our cash flow generation and our free cash flow um, across the quarters. As, as I mentioned, of course, we did half our CapEx budget um, to just over $82 million. Um, and our operating cash flow for the full year was just under $120 million. Now, we did guide at the beginning of, uh, of 2020, this time last year, that we expected to generate somewhere between $125 million and $325 million of operating cash flow. Of course, at that time, no one was expecting the global pandemic. And I think the fact that all prices average for the full year $42 per barrel, it was still impressive that we're very close to, to generating similar cash flow levels to the $50 forecast that we set out 12 months ago. And if you look at the chart on, on the right-hand side of the, the page, you can really see the, the actions of the business reset and how they delivered exactly what we set out to achieve. It was a, Q1 was a, a front-end loaded growth um, growth growth profile, significant capital investment, and we had negative free cash flow of $43 million. But when we moved very swiftly at the end of the first quarter to curtail all of our forward-looking investment programs and some of our production, we were already able to achieve free cash flow neutrality in the second quarter. And as I mentioned, as, as we progressively brought back on our oil production and prices recovered, you can see the trend in free cash flow generation increasing through the second half. We generated $23 million in the third quarter and $29 million in the fourth quarter. And that really allowed us for the full year uh, to generate that positive free cash flow of just under 10 million US dollars. We turn now and just go into a little bit more detail on, on the assets. I think it's important to, to draw your attention to to the recovery. Chris, this afternoon, will go into 
a bit more detail. But I think if you look on the left-hand side of this chart, on the gas side, we've seen very steady performance of our Suffield gas asset. It was one of the most active years of gas swabbing that we conducted, um, close to 11,000 swabs for the full year. And that really allowed us to keep um, offset natural declines and keep that production relatively stable at around 100,000 uh, standard cubic feet per day. Looking on the, the right-hand side of the, of the chart and uh, the Canadian Suffield oil production, you can see how we took that swift action to, to curtail our oil production during the low oil pricing window. I think you can see now that as we exited 2020, we'd actually been producing at rates back above 8,000 barrels per day. That's in excess of where we were in late 2019. And it's actually achieving rates that we haven't seen since 2016. And good recovery in the base wells, but we're also seeing a better than expected performance from our end-to-end enhanced oil recovery pool, which has been ramping up ahead of expectations. And we'll have a little bit more uh, to say about that this afternoon when Chris goes through his presentation. But really good performance um, on both the gas and the oil side at Suffield through 2020. Turning now to Onion Lake Thermal. Again, we've seen a strong reservoir performance as we've uh, brought back on stream the the single train that we shut down during the first quarter in response to, to the low pricing. You can see we're back producing at levels between 10 to 11,000 barrels per day. Um, we did complete, we took the decision in a favorable weather window uh, to just finalize the drilling activity on our, our D-prime. Um, during the second half, we completed five producers, 14 steam injectors. That was originally planned to come on stream. Um, in 2020, but as a result of the shutdown and the pause and all investment activity, that's now been deferred to, to 2021. And we're strongly positioned to start tying in those wells in the second quarter and ramping up production in the second half. And again, Chris will provide a bit more colour this afternoon in our Capital Markets Day presentation. Turning to Malaysia now, um, I think there's been another phenomenal year on the operations side, notwithstanding the pandemic, and our uptime performance was close to 100%. And you can see we've started to see slightly shallowing of, of, of the decline um, with gross production averaging just under 6,000 barrels a day as we exit 2020. And from, from April of this year, uh, we will be acquiring an additional 25% interest from Petronas Charigali. Um, and one of the things that we'll be looking to do, it won't be in our firm budget, but we still have the potential to, to proceed with the, the sidetrack of our A15 well, which has uh, production potential in excess of one and a half thousand barrels a day. So still looking forward to some upside growth potential in our Malaysian assets. And Will, again, this afternoon, will provide more color on the, the Malaysian business in our Capital Markets Day presentation. Final slide for me in France, as you can see from the production chart on the bottom left of the slide, stable production from all of our major producing fields. Uh, we did take the decision, of course, to pause the three-well uh, development program on our Vilperdue West field. That still remains on hold and pending stable recovery and, and, and crude prices. Uh, total, we did announce in the second quarter that the 
Uh, we're discontinuing crude refining operations at the Grand Prix facility in the Paris Basin. We have got a contract in place that runs through till the end of 2021. We're having good discussions with Total about future transportation and, and sales options. And what we expect in the longer term is uh, an, a net-net increase of around $5 US per barrel to, to truck or barge our crude um, from the Paris Basin to the refinery in Le Havre. So that concludes my part of the, the presentation. I'll pass across now to Christoph, who will walk you through the financial numbers. Thank you, Mike. Good morning to everyone. Happy to walk you through the, the, the financial highlights for this, uh, for this quarter. So very happy to report that uh, this uh, fourth quarter has been the, the strongest in uh, in 2020 from a, from a financial perspective and um, and we've seen good uh, good cash flows being generated in the, in this fourth quarter and it's uh, seems to be on the upward trend with uh, 2021 starting on a on a very strong footing as well so in uh, in Q4 uh, as i said the highest uh, that it was the highest quarter in terms of cash flows we, we produced just shy of 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, and, uh, and the full year was in excess of 42,000 as, uh, as we guided before, ahead of 41,000 for the, for, the, for the full year. The, the OPEX per barrel were firmly maintained under control and at the, just below the low end of, uh, for guidance, we guided initially that uh, we, would, we would have 12 to 13 dollar per BOE of uh, operating cost, and uh, we have raged both for the for that fourth quarter and on, uh, on an annual basis, we have raged 11.9 US dollar per BOE, which is um, which is a, a very good performance for, for for the for the full year. EBITDA and uh, operating cash flows in the fourth quarter were respectively at uh, 46 and 43 million US dollars and uh, and 109 and 119 respectively for the for the full year the net result uh, was uh, was negative as we took a pre uh, post tax impairment in France of um, of 54 million US dollars that that was the result of uh, of a much lower price deck used uh, by our by our reserves auditors uh, as as Lower by more than 17 US dollar per barrel in the in in the long term. So mostly driven by a by by a low price deck to assess the value for for assets in France, and to a lesser extent by the additional five dollar per barrel of additional transportation cost just mentioned by Mike. It's uh, when when you look at the the, the realized oil prices uh, throughout 2020. It's uh, it's pretty easy to understand why the fourth quarter has been our, our strongest quarter in um, in 2020, and you you, you can see that uh, it was mainly driven by very good uh, realized prices in uh, in Canada. The, strangely enough, the, the WTI was um, was lower than the first quarter, for instance, but the WCS was much higher. So we we benefited from a very tight WTI WCS differential in Canada of less than 10 US dollar, 
when in the first quarter, for instance, it was in excess of $20. So recovering Brent and WTI in the fourth quarter, but more importantly, a very tight diff in, um, in, in Canada. Now, in terms of how we've been selling and realizing oil prices against benchmark, you can see that uh, our, our premium in Malaysia is, uh, is recovering progressively. We were at uh, plus three bucks on top of the brand. In France, it's been improving as well uh, as a result of the fact that we're selling on the, on the pricing of the following month. So in, in, um, in October, November, December, we, uh, we've been selling on the, the average prices of November, December, and January, which were on the upward trend as well, which explains why we've been able to sell on average at a higher price that, uh, that the brand in France, when usually our contract is, uh, is, is brand minus one. In Canada, as I said, very good, um, the highest uh, WCS for the, for, the, for, for the whole quarter. Although, although today as we speak, it's, uh, it's already in excess of 45 US dollars still for, for, the, for 2020, that was the highest realized uh, price. And you can see that, uh, uh, interestingly, at Onion Lake, the, um, our, our realized prices have improved compared to the, if you compare the, the first half 2020 to the second half 2020, we've gone from uh, WCS minus seven to WCS minus three to four. And that's a result of the fact that we're blending roughly, we're using condensate to blend into our Onion Lake production to, to sell 50% of our production at the WCS specs, which is, uh, which is a lighter crude than the one we're actually producing. So that helps us um, sell a portion of Onion Lake production at the WCS. It's roughly 50-50 between the blend uh, proportion that is blended and, and blended. If you look at the realized gas prices, very good gas prices as well in, uh, in this fourth quarter. Uh, which is usually the case, you know, there is some seasonality in Canadian gas prices and with colder temperatures, gas prices tend to, to move higher up. Now, the other important point is that on average, uh, since the end of 2019, because the logistical issues that uh, Alberta was facing have been resolved, you can see that there's virtually no more difference in between ECHO and Empress, which is where we're selling our gas. So we're selling virtually at uh, at the eco gas price uh, from uh, from uh, from late 2019. Interesting to note that uh, as well, in in a similar fashion as currently, oil prices are much higher than uh, than uh, even Q4. Gas prices are as well uh, projected to be higher on average uh, in 2021. We'll mention. We'll touch on that this afternoon when we go through our, our budget and capital markets day. Uh, moving on on the, the operating cash flow and EBITDA, it's um, it's, ob it's obvious that 2020 was a, was a challenging year when you look at, at this graph and compare 2020 to the financial performance in 2019. But actually, I find it high, highly interesting because it shows the huge potential that our portfolio of assets have generate significantly higher cash flows than um, what we've been doing in, in 2020. So we still managed to generate positive free cash flow 
in 2020, as Mike mentioned before. But you can see that there is considerable upside in a higher oil price environment in, um, with, with our portfolio of assets. And moving on, on to the, the operating cash flow and EBITDA for the fourth quarter, whereas for the full year, the 2020 cash flows were roughly 35 to 38 percent of what we generated in 29. It's, uh, it's, it's close to 55, 60 percent for the fourth quarter. So you see that we were performing much better in Q4 and we're on an upward trend, as I mentioned, and expecting to generate even more in, uh, in the first quarter. On the on the op operating cash flow, operating costs, sorry, front, uh, as I mentioned, we've been uh, we've spent tremendous efforts and resources into controlling and maintaining low opex in uh, in 2020. That was uh, that was that was not a given, given uh, provided that some uh, uh, portion of our operating costs are fixed or or we thought they were they were fixed, but we actually managed. To, to, to reduce even our fixed cost in this uh, in this challenging year, delivering a, a very low OPEX per barrel of oil equivalent below our guidance at uh, 11.9 US dollar per BU in average for the for the full year. In terms of uh, in terms of net back, uh, very happy to report as well that our operating cash flow and EBITDA per barrel of oil equivalent have uh, considerably improved. Um, fourth quarter is um, 11.2 US dollar per BUE of operating cash flow per barrel compared to eight on average and uh, $10, just uh, just above $10 per, per BUE for, for EBITDA on average for the, for the full year. Now, if you compare that to 2019, we had uh, a level of 18 US dollar per BUE. So there is uh, there's still considerable upside to those numbers, as I mentioned before, and certainly in the current oil price environment, we should be able to further increase significantly our, our net backs, both in terms of operating cash flow or EBITDA per BOE. Looking at the, at the, the, the cash flows and uh, net debt throughout 2020, uh, so even though it was, uh, it was a very challenging year, arguably one of the most challenging year ever for the for the oil industry and for, for the for the world economy in general the we generated enough operating cash flow in 2020 to fund all of our opex decommissioning gna cost financial items the the net debt only increased uh, marginally because of um, the the depreciation of the of the dollar, so we had some uh, FX moves uh, driven by uh, a weakening of the dollar against the, the, our main local currencies, Euro, Canadian dollar, or Malaysian ringgit, and uh, and uh, a change, a negative change in in working capital. With the with the with the exception of uh, that uh, FX change and change in working capital, our, our net debt would have been um, would would have been flat. So we we were having we had 321 million of uh, net debt at the end of 2020. That um, with our with our EBITDA just shy of 110, we're actually at a leverage a net debt to EBITDA level just below, uh, virtually at three times. Now, if you would look at an annualized 
fourth quarter EBITDA, the leverage would be below two times already. So in terms of, um, of uh, free cash flow generation and deleveraging, we're, we're very well positioned to improve uh, and solidify further our balance sheets going into 2021. Looking at the, the, the GNA and financial items, obviously, as you'd expect, uh, GNA uh, were flat to, to reducing in, uh, in 2020 and were kept fairly low at uh, 0.8 US dollar per BOE in, uh, in 2020. In terms of uh, net financial items, you can see that uh, interest expenses, if you would compare those in the fourth quarter, they've, uh, they've increased slightly compared to, 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 to the third quarter, and that is a result of uh, marginally increasing financial costs uh, and margins. Uh, resulting from the, 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 the refinancing and the extension of the maturity we negotiated with all our banking partners in, um, in the middle of the summer. So uh, that, uh, that's the only point to note. The, there's a non-cash FX gain, which results, as I just mentioned, from the, the weakening of the dollar against uh, Canadian dollar. It's a, it's a non-cash element and, uh, and doesn't really have any impact on, on our cash flows. Now, looking at the, the financial results, we had, uh, we had a solid cash margin of 120 million US dollar, and really our, our, our net result for the, for the, for the year was, um, was negative, mainly driven by the impairment, the French impairment we talked about, which again was, um, was assessed in the context of uh, uh, a much reduced uh, price deck used by our, our reserves auditors. And it's, uh, it's interesting to note that um, cur currently the oil price is, uh, is $12 in excess of what uh, that price deck is for 2021 and is actually higher. Today's price deck is higher than the long-term oil price used to assess the value of uh, for French Assets. So that that impairment is uh, is driven by low oil prices, and um, and uh, and that 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 was a conservative move, and we're fine with that. But just wanted to give some element of context why it was um, so so significant. Looking at the the balance sheet size, of the balance sheet is um, is uh, is essentially the same. I think it's worth noting the the reduction in uh, both current assets and current liabilities, driven by the reduction in uh, in receivables, because at the end of 2020, oil prices and get oil prices were lower than uh, oil prices at the end of 2019. So receivables are lower. Similarly, for different reasons, liabilities were lower because we we have. Uh, we had virtually no drilling activity in our business at the end of 2020 when we had quite a bit going on in Malaysia at the end of 2019. As a consequence, payables were as well much lower at the end of, uh, of this year, at the end of 2020. Just, uh, just a point to note, the, 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 liability, the financial liability, so our debt increased uh, by roughly 55 million US dollars, and that was, the, that was mostly driven if you compare at the end of 2020. 19 to the end of 2020 that was mostly driven by our Ferguson or granite acquisition which was uh, which was fully debt financed there was no there was no dilution to shareholders used for that uh, for that um, for that acquisition and just to to summarize on the on the financial hedge, hedging we, we have in place 
to simplify those uh, those charts, it's uh, easier to say that uh, we we ha we have uh, hedged 2,500 barrels a day of, uh, of Canadian production in uh, for the first six months of 2021 at the WCS price of approximately 28 to 29 US dollar per per barrel, and that was that was driven by uh, essentially driven by a bank covenant from a very small facility for granite and the additional hedges we may have to put in place in the future are a fraction of that on the oil side. On the gas side, very happy to report that we've been able to lock in uh, some of the very strong gas prices we've uh, we've seen on the on the market lately, and so looking into 2021, the combination of financial hedges and uh, forward sales, uh, we've been able to lock in around three Canadian dollar per MCF for 50% of our production, and for the first nine months of 2021. So for the first nine months, 50% of our gas production. Uh, will will uh, will average a realized price of three Canadian dollar per MCF. So um, that that and that would be the the highest realized price uh, that we've witnessed since we took over the, the Suffield assets from Sinovus in uh, in early 2018. So that was the that was my part on the, the financial highlights for this uh, fourth quarter. Very happy to hand the mic back to Mike to conclude. Okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Christoph. So just to, to recap on, on the highlights for 2020, um, I think we've finished the year in a, in a very, very strong position and it sets the company up extremely well as we move into to 2021. As I mentioned, our average fourth quarter production was, was just below 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day and good recovery from all the assets that we, we had curtailed during the, the first half and a full year average production in excess of 42,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. And we expect to keep that production stable as we move into 2021. Excellent operating cost numbers as a result of the reset, $12 per barrel, which was at the bottom end of the guidance that we gave um, in the middle of the year and in line with our third quarter guidance. And, Continued delivery on the, the capital reduction program, 50% reduction from our original guidance, which was really aimed at ensuring we could maximize our free cash flow generation. And that's exactly what we did off $120 million of operating cash flow. We fully funded that capital expenditure program and other expenditure commitments and still were able to generate a free cash flow of 9 million US dollars when all prices averaged only $42 per barrel Brent. And I think the most impressive thing was was the fourth quarter numbers as the recovery in production and prices started to come through. Our fourth quarter operating cash flow was just under $50 million and our free cash flow generation was just under $30 million. And when you consider, as Christoph has touched upon, gas prices are strong in Canada, Brent prices are significantly stronger than where they were in Q4, and Canadian differentials are as tight as we've seen in many, many years. That momentum in terms of free cash flow generation is going to continue into 2021, and you'll hear a lot more about that in our presentation this afternoon. That's going to allow us to, to really continue with our 
um, immediate focus of deleveraging and getting that net debt level down from $320 million, notwithstanding the fact that we still have significant liquidity headroom under those facilities. And, and as we mentioned, the year-end reserves position, over 270 million barrels, 18 years of reserve life, um, low decline, which sets us up for material free cash flow generation over the next five years and a material contingent resource base in excess of 1.1 billion barrels of oil equivalent. And as I mentioned earlier in the presentation, very strong performance through 2020 um, on the ESG front with no material incidents to report and well on track with our five-year emissions reduction strategy. So that concludes the the Q4 and full year results presentation, we can uh, take the opportunity now for anyone to, to ask questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question over the phone, can you press star 1 on your telephone keypad and wait for your name to be announced. To cancel your request, can you press the hash key. Once again, star 1 if you have any questions. You have a uh, first question. It's from the line of uh, Theodore Nielsen from Spare Bank Market. Your line is now open. Thank you, and good morning to, to Mike and then Christoph, and thank you for the presentation. Uh, I'll try to, to stick my questions to fourth quarter figures only, uh, as you asked for. So uh, two quick questions. Uh, first one, uh, on Q4 cash flow, is it right that there was some substantial working capital buildup? Uh, during fourth quarter, and do you expect that to reverse uh, into Q1? Uh, second question, uh, directly on the impairment. I understand that's mainly driven by lower price uh, deck and increased, increased transportation costs, but I just wonder, have you also changed the discount rate? I just noticed that some other companies, they actually increased discount rates for, for fourth quarter impairment testing. And then second question on the impairment, what's the book value of the assets in, in France right now? Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. So no, on, the, on the working cap, indeed, uh, it's, um, it's, it's actually growing, and which, which is good. We, we, we would like it to, to stay this way, that the change in working cap continues to increase. It essentially means that the oil prices continue to increase and receivables continue to increase. So. Uh, Everything being, being, being equal, since the current prices are significantly higher now than they are in, uh, at, the end, at the end of 2020, they would stay the same. Uh, that, would, uh, that would continue to, to increase. In terms of the, the impairment in, in, in France, no, we, we, we've not changed. We, we increased our, our WAC and the, the discount rate from 8 to 8.5% earlier in, uh, in the year, in 2020. Um, when we when we when we revised uh, our, our whack essentially on the, on the back of the initial impact and uh, oil prices drop and increase risk uh, overall. In terms of uh, in terms of uh, the so that that was the, the question on the on the on the on the discount rate. Um, and in, ter in terms of book value. The, the the French assets um, are, are now around 100 110 million uh, if you if you combine the Paris basin and um, and, uh, and and Aquitaine. Uh, 
Okay, uh, thank you. So I'll take rest of my questions during the after capital markets, which I yes, more or less yep. strategy, strategies. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Tedar. Once again, if you have any questions, please press star one. We do not have any questions coming in as of this moment. Please continue. <clears throat> no, okay, we've got uh, one question from the web, which is, hi, your financial priority is debt paying, but second priority buybacks or M&A. I don't know if you want to defer for this afternoon, Mike, or answer that one. Yeah, I, th I think we'll defer to this afternoon, but r right now, certainly for 2021, the absolute focus is free cash flow generation and, and debt reduction. Okay, thanks very much. That's the only question from the web there. So we'll speak to everyone this afternoon for our Capital Markets Day at 2 p.m. So just a reminder, you can go to our website to, uh, to dial in, and there's also dial-in numbers available on our press release or on our website. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.